Welcome to the Baby Mamas. I'm Jackie. And I'm Angie. And this is episode number 10 of our podcast, which is about our experiences of trying to get pregnant. As a couple of queeros. Yes. Um, I can't believe we're in double digits. It's really exciting. Yeah, Yeah. it's been really cool. Yeah, we've kind of been talking about, I mean, people ask us, like, what's it like doing a podcast and stuff? And I find it really, it's been really enjoyable. We've wanted to do it for so long, but it kind of... I don't know. It's bringing out like a different kind of conversation with people that we love and care about. So that's really fun. Yeah. And some days it's really, really cathartic. (laughs) Yeah. I've always wanted to do a podcast and it just seemed like this topic would be great because when we were like with our friends and family and stuff, they would have so many questions and some of them we couldn't answer and some of them we could. And then finding out how much people are not aware of when it comes to this sort of subject. Yeah. Yeah that was kind of mind-blowing like this article that i read today i think i posted on the facebook page where it was like why is the majority of sperm in canada from the states and said that to me and my answer was um obviously it's because you can't get paid for sperm donation in canada so there's no incentive which was basically the basis of the article and i thought like why do you need an article about that it's fucking obvious but apparently nobody knows this yeah and it wasn't even that well of an article because they put uh we asked if women were surprised when the doctors would give them sperm from the states and it's like why would the women be surprised the doctors aren't ordering the sperm for them like that didn't even make any sense so obviously whoever wrote the article didn't know what the hell they were talking about because you never just get sperm and are like oh wow where's that from it's like oh i ordered it so i know exactly where it came from because that's how it works yeah so it's just showing, like, where where was this article, by the way? It was on the CBC. The CBC? So yeah. it just, like, that shows how little people seem to be aware of um, when it comes to this whole process of, like, trying to get pregnant, how it works, what you have to do, how much it costs. Um, yeah, only 5 to 10% of donated sperm is from Canada, mm-hmm. which is not surprising. Because I know when we first started looking, like, ages ago... I started looking to be like, well, why do we have to order it from the States? That's so much more expensive. Mm-hmm. And it was because there was literally probably about seven sperm donors on this one site that I found. And the site like- In Canada. In Canada. And the site wasn't really well kept. And it just sort of seemed like, Ugh. I wouldn't even want to order from here because it's not, there's no industry behind it. So it's like people just need to think that it's important and then seek out a way to donate sperm, which- mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't see a problem paying people for sperm. I don't think it's an issue. I don't know. I, n- I know, like, if you are worried as a government that people are going to start some sort of, like, black market for, you know, bodily fluids and tissue, that's one thing. But if you make it specific to sperm, then why is it a big deal? Well, what the article was kind of saying was that by offering money for sperm, they would attract a population that is in desperate need of money i.e. the people that we don't want sperm from. You mean like college students? Like those are <laughs> well, the people that are donating the in the States? And went on to say, no, actually it's not, like, I don't know who they thought it would be, like homeless people or like criminals. They would get screened out. Like you, you still have to do a screening process just because you're paying people doesn't mean it's a free for all. Like yeah. we, it's not like there isn't a model to look to like in the States where it works. Well, exactly. And then they said, we actually found that the majority of people that are doing it are like college students or people that need money and then also want to help because if there's someone who is i don't know (laughs) there are so many ways for people to make money that i don't think that like sperm donation and the hoops that you have to jump through when you actually go and do it it's not like you walk into a clinic and you jizz in a cup and they give you 500 dollars and you're done you have to go back several times Mm -hmm. you have to be consistent you have to give them you know your bodily fluids not just your sperm you need to do like blood tests and that kind of thing 
huge family histories and like but the other thing too is that if you're choosing a donor who wants to be known or open that's a whole other kind of person right it's not going to be like joe schmo who just wants a quick buck it's going to be like somebody who's put a lot of thought into it because you kind of have to you can't just be like sure yeah have the kid contact me when they're 18 whatever no big deal i'm 20 and i'm never going to think about this again you know like and there might be some of those but that's okay yeah. I mean, it's not about becoming a parent in 18 years. It's about just like being able to be contacted. Yeah. And we got asked last night about which sperm bank we were using by a friend because Zytec, the one that we're using, is or was in the news, I think, sometime last year mm-hmm. because a couple um, found out that their donor actually had was diagnosed with schizophrenia, but that wasn't mentioned in his profile. And it came out later somehow. And I can't remember how they got that information. It was accidentally sent to them, I think. Mm-hmm. And then they freaked out and they're like suing Zytec for not being honest. And it's like, it's so silly. Cause it's like, I mean, you, when somebody's getting screened, they do screen it, but they don't have access to your medical records. So you have to trust that the people donating are being honest. Um, I don't, it's, it's like, it's a normal risk. And it's a risk. Very little screens for mental health issues. Yeah. And like, Mental health issues, you know, sure, that's important to know. But if anybody is having a baby with anybody, you know, you could not know the history of anybody you're having a kid with as like a straight person or as somebody who's just like knocking boots and like gets pregnant. And like, yeah, okay, you're paying for it. You want to know as much as you can. But there's no guarantee just because you're paying for sperm doesn't mean you're guaranteed no, no diseases like, you know, I have history of certain things in my family. You have history of certain things in your family. You know, these people could have had a history of schizophrenia in their family and they didn't even know it. Yeah. Some people don't even know their family histories because yeah. they don't have contact with their but family. The way or, that they like, it's just such a silly thing to is. get pissed off about. And mental health. And, like, did they love their child any less because he came well, from a donor that their, had schizophrenia? Their reaction to it was to sue the the sperm bank and then also to, like, go to the media and make this big thing about it. And yeah. it's like... Now you're making your son seem like damaged goods. He might never mm-hmm. actually get schizophrenia. And if he does, that still doesn't mean that he's... Any less any of a person? <laughs> yeah, less of a person, less of a beautiful child that he's not going to achieve. Mm-hmm. But you're putting all this negativity out there and mm-hmm. you're saying like, oh, you weren't honest with us. This isn't what we wanted. Like, how does that make your kid feel? That's so shitty. Totally. You know, if it's a legal, ethical sperm bank, I mean, I don't know about ethical, but legal <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Like what you just, you can't get so caught up in all the little details. It's not worth, it's not worth losing your mind over. No. And it's kind of like you're playing some sort of weird, like eugenics mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make the perfect child and you have all these expectations and there's things you don't want that. Yeah. We've talked about it many times, how you can get carried away and you're given too much power. And I think like, I don't agree with what those women did. I no, know that you ha- it's, you ha- it would be alarming to suddenly find out, okay, this isn't what we signed up for. But at the same time... It's a, it's a part of the risk. Yeah. Anytime you're making a child, however you do it, it's a part of the risk. So, and I, th- I like thinking about looking ahead to like when your child is older and can look that up and be like, wow, my moms were really pissed off like about the negativity. And then that... Like, I think about that with this podcast, which is really cool, that our kid will be able to listen to these and be like, oh, my God, that's what my moms were saying when they were trying to have me and listen to how badly they (laughs) wanted me and stuff. You know, I think it's a really cool record to have for us even and for our future child. Yeah. Or maybe baby, as we call it. Definitely. But yeah, so and there was another article that we read recently while we were in some fancy hotel in, in Whistler in the National Post about how even though you're not allowed to get paid for egg donation and surrogacy aside from like your costs, most women are getting paid outside of that, that they like did this huge study and were like, I don't understand why it's not being enforced because it's part of the law. And I mean, it's kind of like they found one woman had been given a car that was like technically for her to get back and forth to get treatments, but then she ended up keeping it afterwards. Or, like, some women would give it, be given, like, thousands of dollars. Or their tuition. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well... Which is like, who, who cares? Yeah, that's my my question is, what they're saying is, like, why is it selectively not being enforced when other parts of the same law are being enforced? Okay, that makes sense to me. If you're going to have a law enforced across the board. But why not just have a different law for this kind of human product? You know, have 
a different law for eggs, for surrogates, and for sperm donors. Like, why? Why is, why it, is it just s- human tissue? Yeah, because you can't it's sell it. it's not the same. It's not the same as like, oh, I need a kidney. I'm gonna go buy one on the black market. Like, it's a totally different thing, and it's not something that. It's just, it's not creating, like, a, a, a risk or a hazard for people in the way that, like, being allowed to sell a kidney would. It's not so hard to get that people are going to, like, you know, drug somebody and, like, they'll wake up in a bath full of ice missing their ovaries, you know? Like, it's not... Yeah, that wouldn't even make sense because, like, the thing is, it's not an easy thing to do to be a surrogate. So, it's yeah. not going to be some woman who's... All she's doing is selling her eggs, and that's how she gets by every year. even if that's the case, like, it's the same argument for sex workers. Why does it matter? If that's how I'm choosing to make money, if I'm using my body to make money, whether it's as a dancer or as a a stripper or as as a sex worker, or if I'm going to sell my ovaries, not my ovaries, (laughs) sell my eggs, or if I want to use my womb as if I want to be a surrogate over and over and over again, Or if I want to be a nanny, like, what is the difference? Or a wet nurse or, like, sell my milk. Like, all of that stuff. Like, who are they trying to protect by not letting it be legal? the children. Because there's a point at which you are just selling your child. If you're donating eggs, that's... I don't understand what you mean. Like, at what point does it seem like it's you're just giving away kids for money? They're not kids. That's how some people see it. An egg is not a child. I know, just just as much as a sperm is not a child. Even though, what weren't you saying this week that they used to think that a sperm had like a completely tiny, fully formed human inside of yeah, it? Yeah, scientists how back in the day, in like I don't know when, seventeen, eighteen hundreds or something, used to say that they could see with the microscope that there was a tiny little person <laughs> in the head of a in the head of a sperm, like fully formed. Which says a lot about what they think about women that like obviously the woman was just a house for the baby that the man was giving them and it had nothing to do with their genetic you know matter or whatever but i'm not i'm not saying that i necessarily feel that way i'm just saying some people out there will will see it as that yeah but if you are there's always donation and you're doing surrogacy at once and then you're just voluntarily giving up your child for money at what point is that but then they can okay or not okay why can't I it just sell my children over and over again? That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing at all. You're not selling them, A. You're, you're, you're housing them for someone else who's genetic, who is genetically participating, right? Yeah. So it's not like you're selling it. You're giving it to the parent, to the other parents. And I just don't see... Just because some people think that that's wrong doesn't mean that they get to decide what's right for everybody and decide what's right for my body or your body or any woman's body or any person's body. It's that thing where, like, just because something's legal doesn't mean it's a free-for-all. You know, if you're, if, if that's a legal thing, that which already is a thing, being a surrogate and being an egg donor is legal, you just can't get paid for it, which is stupid. But if you're allowed to be paid for it, they still have to do screenings. There's still, like, people will always take advantage of or take something to the extreme when it's legal or when it's illegal. So the law and preventing people from getting compensated for the service that they're providing, which is a service... Is, is silly. It's just silly. It doesn't make sense. Because the government should want to facil- facilitate people getting what they need, and instead of them having to go out of the country, they could be keeping it within Canada, which is obviously better for us as Canadians. Yeah. You know, so it's not like they're preventing anybody from doing it. They're just making it harder for us. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, uh, it's a thing. It's a huge thing that's happening among Canadians going to get sperm from the States, going to get egg donors from the states going to get stuff that they need or finding egg donors and sperm donors on like craigslist yeah which (laughs) is a little sketchy like i'd rather it be um a legal thing so that it's more well policed or well monitored and screened so that it's a safe thing for everybody participating because if we lived in the states we could be getting it would be so much less expensive for us because we could be just ordering the sperm it gets shipped to our house and you can we can do artificial insemination in our bedroom or in the bathroom yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but, but we, we can't do it. have to go through a clinic in order to get sperm. Yeah, because you can't ship it yeah. in Canada, even though we tried and that was, like, likely to not work. <laughs> it was silly. Yeah, it's it's 
a lot of unnecessary barriers for people that are facing infertility. Well, and I mean, the barrier that we keep coming back to because it's such a huge issue is money. And recently this came up very saliently because my brother and his fiance um, gifted us some money. I'm not going to say how much, but they they have wanted to help us as much as they could. And they're in a much better financial situation than we are. It was so generous. It was insanely generous. And I I was so uncomfortable. (laughs) I had such a hard time accepting it. And our friend Katie was like, what's wrong with you? Take the money. It's obviously like being given in like the most genuine spirit. Just take the money. You need it. And I was like, yeah, it's really hard for me to admit that though. And she was like, no, but it's, you know, it sucks that you have to pay for it. And that's something that you have to pay for if you want to have it because just because you're gay. And I was like, yeah, but it, there's something, some part of me that makes, that feels like it's my burden and my responsibility and no one else's. Yeah. I feel that same way too. I'm like, you didn't sign up for this. Like you, people that have given us money, like even for the wedding, mm-hmm. I felt the same way. I was like, I made a choice to get married. Okay. But we didn't make a choice to be gay. That's no, the thing, I know, right? But, I'm saying- but I guess we're making it in, in that we're making a choice to have children, but it's like, I don't know. It, I still don't really know. I can't really like accurately articulate how I feel about it. But I, I just felt like, no, this is my responsibility. This is my burden. This is my job to pay for it if I want a child because I have to pay for it if I want a child. So, I mean, some people are able to like find a friend who donates to them and they just do it. Then it works out the third time. Yeah. that I mean, that wasn't our experience. And it's honestly not the easiest thing to find somebody that, is comfortable with that whole thing and is able to like be there committed to the time and like the it's just it's a lot of stuff like it's actually asking a great deal of somebody oh yeah and like katie had suggested like you guys should put up a gofundme page and i was like oh no like i instantly was like that's a horrible idea i could never do that i could never ask people to give me money to for something that's so selfish yeah (laughs) is it selfish i don't think it's it's weird i mean the idea that wanting to be a parent is selfish is strange to me because you're it's like the least selfish thing you can do being a parent your entire life becomes about someone else but it's like that want to have that fulfillment or have that relationship seem selfish or there's like a perception that it's a selfish thing yeah it's also kind of that i could see people being like well, if you can't afford to get pregnant, then you can't afford a child. Yeah, but that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I know it's different. If the you costs can't afford, like, yeah, it's not like, oh, you have a kid. All of a sudden, you have to pay for everything they're ever going to need and their tuition for four years the of college day born. all at once. Like, Races, yeah. cars, everything. yeah. Like, uh, I mean, we're spending about. F- I, I think I've averaged it out to around fifteen hundred dollars a month to get pregnant. I don't know anybody that spends fifteen hundred dollars a month instantly when their kid is born. No, your costs definitely go up, but I don't... Well, they go up, but they also go down. Because, like, (laughs) for people like us who used to go out and, like, have dinners out all the time and go out for drinks all the time, you stop doing that. So you're saving a crap ton of money by not doing that stuff. And then you're spending that money on the kid. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it depends on the child and what kind of things you have and what things you need. And if there's childcare involved, obviously, that's a huge cost. But that's something we've already decided we're going to try and avoid altogether. (laughs) Yeah, but it was incredibly generous and lovely. It's and so, so sweet. I like, I did finally accept it and thank, was thankful and cried and, you know, was just really insanely grateful to have family member that, I mean, I know my parents feel the same way, but just to have somebody, to have invest. somebody invest in us. And our future and... And our happiness. And that's where it came from. It came from, like, a genuine, like, I want you to be happy, and if I can help you, I'm going to help you. Oh, God. Jackie's crying (gasps) again. Stop the podcast. (laughs) Not again. (laughs) Anyway, Matt and Renee, thank you. We love you so much. We'll try and repay you someday. Maybe not in money, but in something. But now we're feeling... This week has been fine, and she's been... Home. I've been showing the new donor's picture to everyone to ensure that he's not a troll. It's like she needs to, <laughs> like, reassure herself. But I do say, when I show people, I'm like, you have to say he's good-looking, because we've already bought the sperm, so just say he's good-looking. <laughs> Everyone's like, he is! But he is, so there's... I know that nobody's he Nobody's lying, because he's not... Like, there's nothing wrong with him. No. You look at him, and he looks like a perfectly handsome, nice person. Yeah. Not that you can necessarily tell if someone's nice from their face, but... I feel like you can with him. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to make myself feel better about <laughs> not knowing anything really about him. 
Yeah, it's like she has to sort of reassure herself by getting everyone else's approval. I don't feel insecure about it. I think it's just like an interesting sort of social experiment to get other people's opinions on him just mm-hmm. to see what they, how they react or whatever. Yeah. This week has been pretty good. I mean, since since our sad news, I mean, whatever, we've dealt with it and we've moved on and we're looking forward to October and we are very hopeful and happy and excited. We just have to deal with Angie's hormones. <laughs> yeah. I'm back peeing on sticks again. Today was the first day. Ugh. It's so annoying to have to do that every morning. And then when you get closer, having to do it like two or three times a day, it's just, it's irritating. Yeah. I feel more comfortable with the ovulation strips, though. I'm, I think the pressure of not, when we first started, I felt like as soon as we got the positive ovulation, we had to call them immediately and go in within like two hours. Like Mm -hmm. everything felt so rushed. And so I was really worried about missing it. But now that I realize that it's probably better to do it after the surge, I'm... I feel much more relaxed because if I catch it, then it's awesome. We'll go in the next day or even further after that. Mm-hmm. So the stress surrounding that has gone down a bit, I think. But well, just with practice, we become better at it too. Yeah, but then there's always, there's just, there's like, trying to keep my stress levels down is... Ugh, it's a constant. It is because of, you know, of my family. <laughs> yeah. There's always something to be worried about, and I'm always getting sucked into some sort of drama that I try my best to ignore, but mm-hmm. it's hard, you know? Like, it's so insane when I think about the last year and all the stuff that we've dealt with. Yeah, we're dealing with stuff that people our age don't usually have to deal with. It's us- like it's stuff that my mom is dealing with with my grandma, you know? It's not stuff that 30-year-olds are supposed to be dealing with. And a lot of it is because your mom's quite a lot older than... Yeah. Most people at this age's parents and also because she's just a really unhealthy person in like every aspect of that word. Yeah. So yeah. my mom about a year ago was hit by a car and that was like earth shattering to my life. And to her own life. And to her life because she Her life is never gonna be the same and I mean the other issue with your mom is the low low, low income. Right. Yeah, so there, really there's so income. many barriers. Yeah, so now she's, she calls herself a cripple, and Mm -hmm. it makes it really difficult for her to be self-sufficient, so then she's more reliable, she relies more on me and my brothers, and... Instead of relying on services that are completely available to her, because when you're actually that low income, and you're a senior, and you have medical issues, there's actually quite a lot of services available, but she's too, either too proud or too stubborn to use them, which is really frustrating. So recently, this week, she fell and hit her head, because she would wouldn't use a service that will help her get groceries and instead was trying to do it all herself and refuses to be careful with her body while using her walker that's completely packed full of groceries and had it pull her down the stairs and she fell and hit her head and didn't tell anybody until 48 hours later and she's convinced that she's broken her foot and but refuses to go to the hospital yeah so So then Angie's dealing with well hopefully she doesn't have like internal bleeding or a brain bleed or something because that's happened before and you know but you can't force her yeah and just trying to not let it take over everything just trying to like Mm -hmm. relax and be like okay my mom's making her decisions I can't babysit her I can't force her to do anything I can tell her I care about you I want you to do this this is what I think is best but at the end of the day she's just it's up to her so I mean until she's deemed not medically or not you know, until she's deemed not competent to make her own choices, which... I think she's pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. So that will be another stress. So trying to, like, have this stuff going on in my life and at the same time not let it be something that's all-consuming so that I keep my stress levels low, that's been a challenge so yeah, far. and I feel like, well, we decided that the best approach now, which we haven't actually been doing yet, is to meditate in the morning and at night. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. enough about mom so yeah so it's really like it's it's tough it's tough I think the best thing we can do is just try and try and mediate it try and you know keep you centered and breathing Mm -hmm. and in a calm serene plinky plunky place (laughs) right (laughs) yeah so we were recently in Whistler we did we went to Whistler we did it we We actually went on a trip just the two of us and we got so we told you two episodes ago why we got free time in Whistler because they messed up on our wedding night and this was to make up for it and I was kind of a little bit 
skeptical yeah i was like mm, we're just gonna be in a hotel like it's not gonna make up for the magic that was the wedding night and yeah. all that but i think they got pretty close actually they, they did all right it didn't start perfectly because we got there and they were like <laughs> we don't have a reservation for you and i was like are you fucking kidding me this cannot be happening and i was just laughing because i thought it was <clears> so <throat> funny i was like of course of course they don't this is hilarious they can't get their shit together mm-hmm. i was like you were supposed and to be making up for a giant fuck up and now you're screwing up again and i didn't even have like i was like i don't even know what to tell you because i don't have like a booking confirmation because it was booked by a manager at a different hotel who then i tried to call and was told that he no longer works there and i'm like of course he doesn't (laughs) why would he yeah and i was just imagining us being them being like we have no proof and we can't get a hold of this daniel guy so and we're gonna have to pack up our car (laughs) go back drive home and then write another angry message or email to the fairmont being like what the hell but what actually ended up happening is that they gave us some vouchers and we're like go into our into our mallard lounge and just have a drink on us we're like okay we'll figure it out so the two people at the two different hotels were communicating unbeknownst to us i guess and our server comes by and looks at our vouchers and she goes oh oh this is great like what do you what do you mean? Well, I've never seen these vouchers. This means you can have whatever you want. We're like what do you mean? She's like, I mean whatever you want on the menu. Can I make a suggestion? How about these cocktails? And we look at them and they're forty one dollar cocktails each. Each each cocktail forty one dollars, and they were delicious. <laughs> yeah, they had like elderflower liqueur with a sugar cube. No, there's no champagne. elderflower. There was. I don't think there was. There you totally keep- was. Really? Yeah. Oh right. There was elderflower liqueur, and then they had um, a grape, a homemade, house-made grapefruit bitters, and Hendrix gin, and some fancy champagne. Champagne and this like raw sugar sugar cube in the bottom of it. It was it was crazy good, and so then you know we're sitting there having our cocktails in this beautiful lounge, and the co- or the front desk guy comes over and he's like, "Here's your room. We have you booked in the Fairmont Gold. I don't know if you know about this, but I'll l- just tell you." And what it is is it's a hotel within the Fairmont Chateau Whistler. It's like exclusive to those members. You get your own private lounge where there's like a free breakfast buffet every day. There's a free canapé hour and there are two hours and free dessert at the end of every night. You get free Wi-Fi. You get like uh, you get your butt kissed basically. <laughs> and it was like not just like standard crappy buffet it was like fancy top shelf buffet definitely it was awesome so we didn't really need to spend money on food which was amazing because we're on a budget Mm. so every morning we'd wake up and be like breakfast Mm -hmm. like run downstairs and they had like bacon and eggs and bennies and fancy cheese locks and capers and onions and you know sausages and it was there was waffles there was like steel cut oats and homemade yogurt and tons and tons of fruit and it was so we would just like stuff our faces (laughs) it was so tasty it was really nice and and they gave us a bottle of champagne that was chilled in the room when we got there with a card that says happy anniversary from like our whole fairmont gold team and all of our toiletries said happy anniversary on them and it was there was a fireplace and this beautiful big bed which honestly was I think it was too big. I'd wake up and be like, where are you? You're so <laughs> far away from me. Yeah. Because I always sleep on the edge of the bed. So I'd turn over and there was like three people. I sleep on the edge space. too. So we're like yeah. <laughs> 500 feet apart. Yeah. And you started putting a pillow in between us, which I was like, what What are you? Yeah. I can only spend so much time with you. <laughs> you three space. days is a lot. Yeah. Um, and then of course, like we went for a, a hike that was, <laughs> the hike was really nice, but getting to the hike made Ange have, like, another... Okay, we've been watching this show called I Shouldn't Be Alive, which is all about people doing dumb shit and getting trapped in the wilderness. And then also, on top of this, before we left, Jackie goes, we need to be really careful because people get lost in Whistler all the time. In the mountains. It's true. I just said we need to take precautions because it's always people that are like, oh, my phone's about to die and I'm in the middle of nowhere hiking by myself. Nobody knows where I am. I don't have any food or water or, like warm clothing so all i was saying was like let's not be an idiot about it so that translated to Ange being like oh my god we're gonna die for sure (laughs) we shouldn't be alive (laughs) so we went up to this is the ancient cedars hike if any of you haven't been to it it's gorgeous go do it um some of the oldest cedars you'll find they're huge they're massive like i've never seen trees that big it's amazing yeah it was really impressive but the the road to get there is like this gravel pot hole filled road it's like an atv course basically 
And it so says, bumpy. And it says 4 by 4 recommended, but the concierge at our hotel told us to go there. He was like, you have a car? Yep, cool. You'll be fine. So it's not like they were like, oh, you don't have an eight, you See, don't have a like four by four. it's like the beginning of I shouldn't be alive. No, it's the not. The concierge said it was fine. <laughs> no, it's we not. We saw the sign that said it was eight, it was four by four recommended, but we went anyway. No, that's not the same. Anyway, so basically like it took, it took quite a while to get up this road um, because we had to go really slow because there were some pretty intense potholes, but it was just like gravel and potholes. It wasn't like no, it was a sheer cliff big, that we were going to fall off of. It was anything. big rocks and he- big potholes and huge potholes. <laughs> potholes potholes and puddles yeah but you were freaking out about it at one point i kind of snapped and i was like you need to stop being so negative she was like what do you mean i was like well, i was like we're gonna get a flat tire we're gonna be stuck out here we're gonna have to walk 12 kilometers there's no back. cell service we're gonna die i was like okay so we have extra water with us our, tr- our phones are completely charged we have warm clothing we have food we are prepared. We'll be okay. And she just couldn't. She was just like, nope, we're going to die. We're going to get a flat tire. Although, to be fair, we <laughs> our spare tire is flat. So I was like, shit, that might happen. <laughs> but um, it didn't. And then the rest of the hike was lovely. Um, true to form. <laughs> Almost every vacation we go on, I get sick. Yeah. So I was sick the next day. Um, but Ange was sweet about it and took care of me and decided that she was just going to drug me up and then we were going to go and get drunk so we did <laughs> we went to happy hour it was good yeah yeah i'm worried like should i not be drinking at all i know this keeps coming up and like ah uh, should i just stop drinking i'm like don't people say drink till it's pink no obviously like once we inseminate no drinking but in between i don't see I've what never it does heard that i could honestly is- i think because the biggest issue for you is stress i think you should drink <laughs> it's <laughs> well, like prescriptive i'm not getting wasted in the two weeks in between when I'm no, not it's ovulating. Like have a couple drinks, get a little buzzed, get a little loose, relax. But, like, we know some people that were trying to get pregnant who stopped drinking, like, the year before. Yeah. And I just don't know, is that crazy? Is that them being a little too paranoid? Because, like, people get pregnant while drunk all the time. Yeah. People get pregnant while being full-on alcoholics. Or drug addicts. So I'm kind of like me having a couple glasses of wine when I'm not ovulating and there's no sperm in me, is that going to have a huge impact on fertility? I guess I should look into it. Yeah, if any of you know anything about <laughs> this, please tell us, because we're still... There's so many things you have to do research about that you just kind of get to a point where you're like, ugh, I don't want to look into this anymore. Which sounds silly, because we do complain about how much, you know, money we're spending or whatever, but it's just like, it's but a lot. Yeah, I don't want to... Like you could make it a full-time job just trying to get pregnant, which doesn't work when you already have a full-time job. I mean, I don't want to prescribe to all the such a strict lifestyle because I think it would increase my stress a lot. Mm-hmm. And you have to. I like, still want to be able to like relax in between and like. You, you know. have to have a balance. Like you have to still be able to live your life to some extent, and be as healthy as you can. So I think I really think for you because you were like, oh, should I have like a stricter diet and like are constantly like second guessing yourself and putting pr- more pressure on yourself than you need to. I think. So for me, the best thing we can do is I I would say that you do need to meditate more and you do need to be more active because that's been a constant that you're not being as physically active as you should be just to keep your body healthy, to keep your blood flow up, to keep, you know, it it helps, it keep, helps you sleep, like all sorts of things for your wellness. It's it's hard to keep up regular exercise. I think that's hard for everybody. Yeah, I'm sure pretty much everyone struggles with it, but well, maybe not everyone. There's like that small percentage of people who are just amazing at it or they do it for a living so they don't have to think about it. But for us, it's always a struggle. Yeah. I was kind of beating myself up because I've been under the weather and like we were on vacation. So we had all sorts of other stuff going on that I haven't been as consistent as I usually am because on the, I'd say on the regular, I like do yoga f- probably four to five times a month, a week, sometimes six. I, I, I strive for seven because <laughs> then if I fall short, I'm still coming up to like five. But I haven't really done it in, like, the last week and a half, and I was being really hard on myself. And Andrew was like, you know, I think it's just life sometimes prevents you from doing all the things you want to do, and you have to stop being so hard on yourself about it. And I think that I can just switch that (laughs) advice right over to you. Especially when you're getting older, you're, like, really, like, oh, this is so important. I really need to make sure that I'm, like, doing all the the things, you know, and then when you don't do all the things you get really mad at yourself and then you just feel like shit and it's like oh okay well how about I just like stop worrying about the fact that I haven't done yoga for the last week and a half 
and just try and do it tomorrow. So I saw on Reddit there was an I am a, and someone said I am a sperm donor and asked me anything, and some people were asking some questions, and I wrote to him, and I was like, hey, do you want to be a guest on our podcast? I thought maybe he could call in or something, and we could chat with him about how he made that decision. And then he wrote back to me, and he had... He said he kind of didn't want to be on the podcast, which was fine. But then he had some questions that he was wondering about. Yeah, he says, I think your podcast sounds awesome and I like the ones I listen to, but I don't think I would want to compromise my anonymity at this point and be on a podcast. Will I ever come forward and meet my donor offspring? Tell my to-be wife? Um, Our potential offspring? Still very much unanswered in my mind. Some days I really want to post on the DSR. DSR is the donor sibling registry. Um, others, I want to have a drink and think it, of it as blood donation. All of this feels very unchartered. Um, in almost any other situation, I would read books about it and go from there. My biggest question is, what do the DC children want from their donor? What kind of relationship? I think as the, you know, the future parents of a donor child, what we want is just to be open to being contacted. Because, you know, so many studies show that that's really hard for children yeah i think these are good things just for us to consider like what would our relationship be with the person because assuming he's still around when the kid turns 18 and assuming that the kid wants to meet him Mm -hmm. how do we go from there i feel like what i would want to do is like have things like have document bits of our kid's life to be able to share with them like it's like a baby book for the donor that if okay. they want to see that stuff, then we'll have it there for them. If they don't, that's okay. If our child never wants to contact them, that's fine. If they do, that's up to them. What do you think about the donor sibling registry? Because there is a website that you can go on. You can say, I got sperm. This donor number from this bank, has anyone else gotten pregnant with it? And you can like post pictures of your kids and sort of like see pictures of their siblings. What do you think about that? No. I no? think that's weird. Because they're not siblings. They just have the same DNA. Like, it doesn't mean that they're related. They're like, it's a blood relative, I guess. But our kid's not going to lack for family members. No, I know. And it's not, I don't think that they're on there being like, let's hang out and do dinner and like hang out with our kids that are siblings. It's more just like sharing and just connecting with those people so that you're aware of them and they're aware of you. And But why? I don't know. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be a terrible thing to share, like, your experience of, like, how this all went for you. But that's already what but we're doing here. But it's more so to connect your kids and to be, to know who, if who their siblings are and if they want to meet them, they can. I don't know. I think that'll be up to our kid. Some people will go on there and post their kid, like, as soon as they give birth to them. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to do that. Yeah. That's what I, I was think, thinking, like, too. I, I think was like, if seemed... a kid was interested, they could go on and... Yeah. But I don't feel the need of putting my two-year-old on there and being no. like, anyone else? It's kind of weird. Yeah, because, like, what are you trying to get out of that? Are you just wanting to see if your kid's cuter? <laughs> Maybe I'd do that for that reason. Well, our kid is obviously going to be the cutest. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a weird thing. Like, what are you looking for? Because, like, as the parent, I'm not going to get anything out of knowing that my child has a sibling somewhere. It'll probably make me feel weird. But well, it, if we get pregnant with this guy, he already has confirmed pregnancies. I don't know if that means confirmed live births. No, that's a different thing. Well, it doesn't show you live births on the website. I know, but... I know, I'm just saying, I don't know what that means. Does that mean that they gave birth to a child and then they consider that a confirmed pregnancy? Or is it just like, I got pregnant and they might have miscarried? Something else that just occurred to me was, with the open identity, is it only one way? Is it only if the child wants to meet the donor, once they turn 18, they'll get that information, but does it go the other way? Like if the donor wants to meet the kid? Yeah. I don't know. Would that bother you? No. We chose an open identity person for a reason. Yeah, I feel like it would, like, it almost kind of bothers me that it's until they're 18, you know? Like, why not before then? I don't know. Like, I think it would be nice to even just, like, exchange pictures and, like, messages over the years with a donor. See, this podcast is bringing up all sorts of things that we didn't really think about before. So sometimes you're hearing, like, very primitive thought processes on certain topics. 
that hopefully will get a little bit clearer. Yeah, because what if we got a message from someone who was like, I live in Vancouver and I also connected with this donor or got pregnant. Let's meet up. Would you want to? I think I'd probably want to exchange like emails and stuff for a while first to really get at what they wanted out of it. Yeah. Um, Because I don't want somebody being like, oh, I'm your kid's aunt. And it's like, no, you're not. Yeah. You know, the people that we have in our lives are their aunts and uncles. So, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be closed off to it. I would still be, like, open to the idea of it, but it really depends on the person. I would want to make sure that they have the right intentions. Yeah. And I think I would leave it up to the kid once they got old enough, like 13, 14, if they Mm -hmm. were like, I want to know if there's any siblings out there, then I'd be like, okay. Yeah. And just because somebody used the same donor as us doesn't mean we have anything in common. Right? Yeah. Like, I feel like the people we have in our lives, we've chosen very carefully. Yeah, we have a very in-depth screening process for our friends. Yeah, you're welcome, friends. You made <laughs> it. But no, but really, like, the, I, I think it's really important to be careful about the people you're having in your life because they're going to influence your children. I'd want to know a lot about somebody before introducing our kid and being like, hey, this is your sibling's mom. <laughs> like, that's a weird, I don't know. I also think I would be kind of disturbed, like, the concept of the possibility that say we do register our kid on the sibling registry or whatever and then we find out they have like 24 siblings yeah that just kind of like it'd be a little overwhelming it would be overwhelming and it's also just kind of brings to light it just feels more like it's i don't know that's such a big number it feels very sort of industrial and kind of like i don't know how to explain it just like creating people creating people we created 24 people from this guy and they're all s- related but they don't know each other and they never will and they're just going to be out in this world I don't know there's something disturbing to me when it's in such high numbers if there's like three or four then it's like okay but once you get into like the 20s and 30s from one man with like so many different women it just feels like does it make you think of polygamy <laughs> no I don't it doesn't make me think of polygamy it just sort of it feels less intimate I guess well they have limits I don't yeah, know what the some, limit is I don't know what the limit is either but I so, yeah, if anybody out there has any kind of personal experience with any of the things we're talking about that we clearly have no fucking idea about, <laughs> we'd love to hear your experience because it's not really something that you hear talked about, or at least I haven't really heard people talk about. Well, we don't know anyone else who's going through this other than people that we've connected to through the show. I mean, we don't have any personal Well, I know friends. people that have had children through donors. Yeah, but we don't talk to them. No. Well, and one of them was just, like, very much that they never told anybody who the donor was. Who was that? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, it was her. Yeah. Mm. No, but really, that was their approach that was, like, no, it's just, it doesn't matter. This is our family. And I feel like there's, I, there can be, like, a fear around it. Like, there, like it's a threat to your position as a parent, which I don't know if I would see it as. If people know who the donor is? Yeah, or, like, people connected with the donor, people, like other kids of the donor or whatever that it's like a threat to your own family i feel like some people see it that way mm. i don't know people maybe. feel that way about adoption too where yeah. the birth parents are kept at a distance because they're gonna like usurp the, the adopted parents, adopted parents yeah. position or the kid's gonna not love them as much which is ridiculous i think i can yeah. understand possibly having that fear but i still don't even feel like i'd be in that position because our child is going to be your genetic child, right? So there's nobody that can come and take that child away from you. And no. we're married and the child is mine. I'll be on the birth certificate, so the child's just as much mine as it is yours. Yeah. So there won't be, like, anybody able to but threaten our... But adoptive parents can be on a child's birth certificate and still feel that insecurity and want a closed adoption. But that's because there actually are laws that, a pa- you know, a parent who's given their child up for, for adoption has, like, six months or something to just change their mind well i think that's just in canada maybe i don't know i'm sure i know in canada there is 90 days when you can reverse your decision only 90 yeah but that's a long time three months that's a long time to connect with it with a child and be bonded with them and then have to be holding back because you're worried about getting bonded with yeah i think being an adoptive parent would be really really hard it's amazing i think if you can do that you're you're kind of a better person than I am because I don't know if I could handle it. I think that would be really, really challenging. Adopting or giving a child up for adoption? 
how would I ever be in a position to give no, a child I'm up for adoption? What you're talking about. No, I'm talking about being the adoptive parent. But you are kind of going to be that. No, I'm not. I don't think of myself as an adoptive parent. No, Do you? No, but uh, but it's not the same. It's not someone else's kid. It's your kid. You know, if we're talking biology, it's your child and it's my child. I think of it as our child. I don't think of it as someone else's kid. No, you shouldn't. So how am I similar to an adoptive parent? Because you're not related. So? That's all. That's the only thing. I don't think I, I would never compare myself because there's no threat of me having the child taken away from me. And that's the one defining factor of being an adoptive parent? I think what, that's one of the hardest parts of being adop- an adoptive parent. I don't think that you should think of yourself as an adoptive parent. You're not an adoptive parent. And I don't. But so why are we having this conversation? But there are similarities. That's all I'm saying. Well, in some countries, I would have to adopt our child. In some other well, provinces, some other provinces yeah. I would have to. Um, we're just really lucky that BC is so forward thinking that I don't have to do that because I'm her wife and we've decided that we're having a child and we're doing it through donor sperm and the donor never has any rights. I guess something that is different from adoption in this process is the fact that well there's a lot of things that are different (laughs) no i'm no but this is like a big one is that you get to experience the birth and the growth of the child and being there for every step along the way which sometimes adoptive parents unless you're doing a private adoption which isn't that common anymore so private adoption being here's a teen mom and she's three months pregnant she knows she's going to give up her baby for adoption and they form a relationship with the parents and they follow her along and they do things for her. And oh, yeah, like the way it always is on TV. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. like not mm-hmm. common anymore. Right. You get to experience the growth of the child, whereas a it's lot of It's not just the growth of the child. I'm here for the entire conception of like we conceived of having a child together. Mm-hmm. We picked, you know, we, we did the research together. We looked through donor profiles together. We talked about it together. We planned together. We dreamed together. We're talking about it on a podcast together like... It's not that I just get to see the child growing in your stomach. It's everything. I'm a part of every single part of the process. Yeah. I'm there for every single insemination, you know. I'm still saying there's similarities. I'm not saying that it... No, I know. I'm not not any less of a parent or anything. Oh, no. And adoptive parents are not less of parents either. No. They're the same kind of parent that I'm going to be. But I just feel like it's different fundamentally because of the nature of it okay also this is way cheaper yeah (laughs) well yeah i want to thank emily for being on the show last week i think she was a good guest yeah right after we stopped recording she started talking about how funny baby boners were i I know talk about that on the show i want to hear about baby boners that's hilarious yeah it was funny she said it was a weird it like was shocking for her and then i was thinking like oh my god Am I going to have to deal with a baby boner? Yeah, you are, if we have a boy. I know, I'm so, like, out of my depth with boners, just period. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to do anything with no, it. No, I know, but, like, just... It's just, just going to be there. Yeah, it just, like, it kind of made me think, like, I think it'll be really hard for me to have a boy. Not hard, it'll just be a lot more new things, maybe. Like, well, I've been around baby boys, but I don't know. Well, it's going to be different. You're going to have to, like... I guess there isn't really anything talk different. Talk to him about his balls or something? Well, I guess if the ball conversation comes up, I can just tell him to talk to his grandpa or his uncle. Right? Yeah. That's what they're there for. Yeah. Or you can talk about it as well. You don't have to be like, let's talk about our balls. Like, you can learn about (laughs) things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there might, there's probably stuff that we don't know about that only guys would know about. But I don't know. We can talk to our male friends and stuff like that. I think having a teenage boy would be really difficult or might be really difficult in this situation. I think having a teenager period is difficult, so yeah. I don't know if it's going to matter. Well, exactly. And boy then, or girl. I don't know. I just think that if we raise him properly and he's comfortable and we're open and... Oh, yeah, and this is the other thing Emily really wanted to say was that we're both very committed to raising feminist children because we're both feminists. We met in women's studies, so, you know. Yeah. That's a big, strong bond of ours. And, and it's true, though. Like, no matter what gender our child turns out to be, our kid's going to be a feminist, whether it likes it or not. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to name that feminist? Um, Feminista? That's a great name. <laughs> um, how about Sappho? Sappho? Yeah. No, why? That's a terrible name. <laughs> Sappho? Saffy? 
Oh, sweetie darling. Sweetie darling, sweetie. Safi, Safi, sweetie darling. Sweetie, sweetie darling. Murder, murder, rape, murder, love, lust, murder, rape. Oh, oh Jackie Collins is dead. I know. That's one of my favorite French and Saunders bits. I was thinking about today how, what our children's going to call us, and I really want to be mummy. Mm-hmm. Mummy! And then... With a U. M-U-M-M-Y. Yeah. And then we were like, well, what's Jackie going to be called? Mom. Mom? Mom. Just mom? Not what if just it was, mom. What if it was like Mom French? is the... G- Maman. Yeah, what if it was mama? Mam- mama? Maman. Maman. Or mère. Well, that's mother. Yeah. Mother. I would like my children to call me mother. <laughs> mother, please. I would like some yogurt, mother. I don't know. What do uh, what have, what do our queer listeners do with the mom mom thing? Because I don't like mama. I don't mama. want a child running around my mama. house going mama like that. When I hear other people's kids do that, it really irritates me. Yeah, I don't like it either. And maybe I won't care once I get my kid, but. And maybe we really can't decide what our kids are gonna call us. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they're going to be like, hey, garbage pants. <laughs> We're going to be like, no, uh, actually, it's mom. Yeah, garbage pants. Your kid would totally call you garbage pants. I'll teach it to call you garbage pants. You wouldn't. <laughs> I would. You know what? Let's just name the kid garbage pants. <laughs> Done. So we're going to start a GoFundMe page. If you want to name our child, no, no. go and uh, make a <laughs> Oh, my God, I feel so uncomfortable. I feel so uncomfortable. to name our child. We're not doing that. www.buyourbabiesname.com slash no. lesbians. No, I would never do that. Because also the thing that scares me is that like you pick a name out and then the kid comes out and you're like, oh, that doesn't fit. I don't think that's true. Babies it happens to people. Not it ha- happens to people because they're crazy. Anybody can have any name. And so anyone can have any combination of names and it should be fine. No, right? well, some names sound stupid and some names. I'm saying you can't look at You mean a baby. like your almost name? Cordelia. Yeah. And just mom wanted to name her Cordelia. I don't, I'm not a Cordelia. Oh my God. But Cordy. if I were. Delia. Leah. If my name hmm. was Cordelia, mm-hmm. then my name would just be Cordelia. I don't think you'd be like, you're not a Cordelia. Because I think that like, you can't say these are, these people are all Sarah's. And these people are all Jackie's. These people are all Angie's. Like, no, a name is just a sound that you associate with someone's face. So anybody can have any name. So you can associate any sound with anyone's face. Okay. Kid's name is going to be... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just not do the podcast at all. <laughs> the Baby Mama's Podcast. If you like this podcast... Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Baby Mama's Podcast... Or you can find us on Twitter at Baby Mama's Cast. Or you can email us thebabymamaspodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. Please. And don't be like Katie and accidentally give us one star and never change it.